Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. All right, welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And before we even get into today's topic, we said, of course, every time there's some new news with uh, upcoming Halo events, we're going to be telling you guys. So there's two really big things that we want to tell you guys first, is that any flight testing for MCC coming to PC is is not going to be before E3, which, no, is, it, which is only a few weeks at this point. Yeah, so, so it's not too bad, but it's guaranteed that... It'll start after E3. This gives them, one, enough time to focus their efforts on E3 and mm-hmm. any Halo Infinite or any other byproduct that they have from that to really focus on the marketing for uh-huh. it instead of going into crunch to get this test out. Yeah. And then the other news, speaking of Infinite, is that we are going to have a story trailer. That's mm-hmm. that's a It's a rumor, but it's a, it's a kind of an insider. So he's this guy saying... We're going to have a story trailer, and this is supposedly going to come out. It's, you know, holiday 2020, but for Halo games, that typically means about November, because that's usually when they're released. Yeah, so it's usually that beginning holiday season when Mm -hmm. when you're not into the game crunch of it. So I assume the same type, you know, around mid-November, your your typical release for a lot of big AAA titles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that does fit kind of the Halo release timeline, because typically we'll get some kind of trailer at E3, and then the next year we're going to get another, like, actual trailer along with the release, which we got a little early with that uh, Slipspace Engine trailer that they released last year. Yeah. So, uh, theoretically, it's going to be out next year, and kind of seeing light at the end of the tunnel is exciting. Which is awesome. I mean, it's it's really cool that they were able to, quote-unquote, pull it off in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's been... At that point, it'll be about five years since Halo 5. Halo 5 came out in 2015? Yeah. Uh, which, which is not that bad. It's, it's no, not that no. bad comparative, because you look at games like Borderlands 3 coming out and all mm-hmm. these others that are seven, nine, ten years down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have more of that and less, like, Assassin's Creed Call of Duty one-year builds. Yeah, and... It's it's good that they're also like taking their time because after everything that happened with Halo Five, I think they really had to take a step back and say, "All right, let's let's almost start from scratch and really start shining as three four three. All right, so now let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, which I'm really excited about this mm-hmm. one. The Flood is the second novel in the Halo universe, and it's written by William Deitz and published on Delray Books on April first, two thousand three. The book uh, contains three hundred and fifty two pages, which I think it's a it's a good read. It's a good amount of time. It definitely is. And we'll, we're going to go through it just as we did with the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Flood is, I would say, a, a side-by-side guide for Combat Evolved. It, it, it tells the story of it, but it gives some really, really cool insights mm-hmm. into not only Master Chief, but so many supporting characters 
that you yeah. may have saw a glimpse of or that you may have heard a name and mm-hmm. they really, really like dive deep into that topic. Well, it's a good mix between new stories and a retelling because, mm-hmm. you know, for every you can see a lot of video games or movies that have a book version and it's little like nuances that they put in there. But overall, it's the same thing. This really had a lot of new stories and we learned about a lot of new characters uh, within the the combat of all the battles that were going on on Installation 4. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of my favorite portions of it is we get a covenant point of view. And that's one thing that you don't really see until Halo 2. Yeah, and that was even, we'll talk about it here soon, that was something that almost didn't happen. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, William? Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Deitz is an American writer from Washington State, though his occupation is writing currently, he had an extensive career up until this point. Mm-hmm. He was a surgical technician, college instructor, news writer, television producer, and director of public relations and writing for a telephone company. So, I mean, he worked, I mean, kind of how we have in media in all these different positions. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see that. And I know as we like researched more into him, he wanted to be a sci-fi writer in grad school but never got around until until he was 39. Yeah, which I think that's definitely, you see the situation of a guy who can do so much and decides, like, he's going to pursue his passion. Yeah, so he's he's finally worked out all these different career goals, and I think he's kind of set where he is. He's like, I I need to pursue it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have that feeling of, like, man, I really wish I didn't put that aside. And what's also really cool is that he was a former Navy corpsman. Yeah. And through that, he used that experience in the U.S. Navy as basis for writing a lot of the combat and different characters in the book. Yeah, he, and even like other books, he's uh, he's written stuff for Mass Effect, Star Wars, uh, Starcraft, and Hitman. So he really has tenure within video game writing, which I think is really cool. And it's so awesome that Deitz has written so much in the gaming universe, because for me, those books in and of themselves just take on such a different feeling when you read as opposed mm-hmm. to other sci-fi or fantasy that's there because you already have this source material that you've either grown up with, that mm-hmm. you've played, that you've... You, it's an experience unlike what you'd have reading another great fiction, like, like let's, let's say Dune, something along those series lines, yeah, where you have this amazing world, but you're not able to ever visualize it except for mentally and mm-hmm. how the author describes it. Yeah. So with this, you already have that visual representation right in front of you. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to the book itself and how it came to be is The Fall of Reach was a very successful book. We've mm-hmm. talked about this. And so Delray Books extended a deal with Microsoft and, you know, like, let's do more of this. This is clearly going to be a good, good thing going for a long time. Let's go with it. So Deitz was approached about writing a novelization of Combat Evolved because that's originally all it was supposed to be. Not all these side stories or anything like that. It was just going to be a retelling of it, which I'm glad it went the different direction it did because mm-hmm. it would have been a very boring book. He was hesitant, though, about doing this for two reasons. Is One, he had never written for Halo before, and so he just was kind of unsure. And two, they wanted it done in 10 weeks, which I guess he takes six months to write a book. They worked out a deal with his agent. You know, he's going to get more money for the less time that he's going to have to write this, which I think you can't complain about that. 
No. And what's what's kind of funny is it's it's so cool to see like this type of stuff of people researching the topic. Mm-hmm. So he went out and bought an Xbox and Combat Evolved to play Ca- it casually. Yeah, just just, like... just, just casually, <laughs> just because like mm, well, I guess I'll do my research now. Mm-hmm. And so you know he's 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 delving deep. He's going through all them corridors that you go through. Yeah. And uh, so once he learned that this game was basically selling like hotcakes, it was flying off the shelves. Yeah. That with that knowledge and along with obviously a bigger paycheck. He agreed to write the book. Yeah, pretty much. And so he also, he was the one that presented the idea to Bungie. Like, he was like, hey, listen, we should add different characters. Like, not like we should not only do different characters, but we should do it from the perspective of the Covenant, too. And they were kind of like, nah, let's not. But they eventually budged, which it's ironic that I think, I think they took inspiration from his idea for Halo 2 extremely, mm-hmm. like, like it still was a popular book. We'll talk about the reception afterwards, but it, I don't think if he if he decided to move forward with that, then we would have never played as the Arbiter in Halo Two. Yeah, or it would have been a whole different retelling. Of, yeah, because because Halo Two starts out with the Arbiter. Mm-hmm. It's it, it you know it's the whole council with them. So I mean I I don't think we would have either gotten that much perspective of it, or would it more have been like, hey Chief, here's an alien to help you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which the only reason that a bungee agreed to it is because he's like, it's okay, I'll kill them all off in the end. Mm-hmm. That was basically like he'll tie up the loose end. So Bungie said, all right, as long as you're not creating new characters for us, like we're good. Yeah. And I think my favorite part about this is that he played Combat Evolved over and over again in order to to get notes from this and took like dialogue from there themselves mm-hmm. or from the game itself in order to expand upon it or just copy it into the book. That's and that is too what I did really like. I know. For a lot of people who read this, we'll get to their responses, that it, it was tough because it was a retelling. Mm-hmm. But I liked it because when I'm reading it and then, like, reading these specific passage descriptions, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Or, oh, he's coming up to that part. Oh, that's really awesome. And the way yeah. that he interpreted it is it is just different than you just visually see on the game because you can be like run through the hallway, shoot Covenant, shoot Sentinels. Mm -hmm. But the way they do is really, really neat. Yeah, or they even, like, make the lines a little different. Like, I recognize that line, but yeah, that kind of, that's a cooler way to say it. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the book itself. For anyone first time maybe listening, we're not going to go, you know, line for line, detail for detail in this book. We want to give you a good overview of the book because we recommend to all of our listeners you should check out this book. It's it's a great book, mm-hmm. uh, fun to read, little things that you're going to learn here and there. So we recommend you read it. That being said, it does start out exactly like Halo Combat Evolved does. They come out of cryo. It's basically, you know, it's, it's basically key saying, Cortana, what is that? The Covenant, how did, how did they... How did they beat us here? And so they then go into, okay, let's let's wake Chief up. And I think this is very early on in the book is the first time we're starting to learn about different characters. Yes. And so at that point, we're introduced to the cryotech, the guy that isn't down in the base with you. Uh, when you first start the game, he's up there doing the controls and the thawing and everything. We first learn about him and we kind of start seeing that he's... He's talking about how he's excited that he's thawing out a Spartan. And like he's like, oh, I'm going to tell my kids and my wife about this. And we also learn about Chief. He's dreaming while he's in this cryotube. Like once they get him out of the deep freeze, like he he's dreaming about like he's like a child again. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like he's weak and he can't fight, which I think is I don't know. I don't think they ever really dive into that in later media with his psyche. But I think that's just kind of cool to see. A perspective of like what does someone like Master Chief 
dream about. Yeah, and, and that his nightmare is that he basically is not a Spartan, or basically that as a Spartan, he doesn't have that strength. He doesn't have yeah. the one thing that he lives for. Yeah, and so we start seeing like what he again, like you learn about in Halo: The Fall of Reach, is like he values a purpose and like his ability to fight and defend the UNSC. And so, what's really cool about this entire scene is this is one of many, many, many character perspectives that we're going to get that are just minors that had that you know, weren't even noticed they were just there they they were mm-hmm. they were npc f- like fodder no name characters no name characters for like fodder for the covenant and you know he's talking with the tech and one thing that's really cool and that that kind of explains why chief is the one in his armor they had they had just to, they had to get him in there and they said it was the one person that would be able to do it yeah cuz you have to go and cry out naked yeah you have to go and cry out naked because the way it works it's almost like say say in the tub it was dry ice obviously it would be terrible for you now but let's just say your skin was impervious to that mm-hmm. if you had a bandage or some piece of clothing on or whatever it would actually burn into you mm-hmm. and just cause like you know a terrible wound yeah so for him to do this was insane, and he even talks about that he could still kind of feel it on his skin. Mm-hmm. He, he came out kind of feeling like uh, I don't feel so good. But yeah, it's kind of within his character to just be like, "All right, let's go. I'm yep. ready to go." And, and so, like you know, again, it goes to the game. He he has to do these like quick little tests, and then this is where we see the perspective from our cryotech worker again. Is that the covenant come in, and so he's shot, correct? Yeah, and he's, it's just a very big thing of disbelief. And we learn a little earlier in the he's got this picture of his wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's kind of going down. The covenant are there. There's gunfire. There's blasts going on. And he's just trying to reach yeah, for he, this picture of his wife. His, like, dying, his, his last dying thing to do is reach for his picture of his wife. Yeah. But in walks an elite. And the elite kind of comes up and just grabs him. Yeah. Like, well, she grabs, she grabs a photo, or he grabs, grabs, a, grabs the a photo, photo, and then almost doesn't notice him at first, but it kills him off. Which, yeah, c- kind of like, it's like, is this what you were after? Yeah. Why? Yeah, and that's it, it's definitely diving more into kind of the sadder things that happen, because that's something that's very realistic within war, is that some guy isn't going to ever see his wife again, mm-hmm. especially when it's kind of sad that just a few minutes ago, he's like, oh... Can't wait to tell my wife about this. And then that happens. So it plays through the game. or it, It's kind of the telling of the game. Chief has no weapons. He's running to the deck to go meet with Keys. And uh, Chief makes his way to the deck. We talk to Keys. And then now we're out. We have to, we have to fight the Covenant again. This is that part where one of the few things I kind of dislike about the book, which, again, it's... What is to be expected is this retelling of exactly what we did. It's just describing Chief going through, killing Covenant, down to, like, what kind of weapon he's using, you know, down to the bullets that he's using. But not not bad, necessarily. I, I don't want to say I, I dislike it, but it's one of those parts you just kind of read through really, really quickly. Yeah, it, because that goes on to, like I said, it goes into the part where, like, for me— Mm-hmm. I like a bit of that nostalgia trip because just the way that they describe it, because you're like, oh, that's that angle. Okay, so that was in that like mess hall area, but it is, it is a, a general retelling up until we get. So, so after after we've got Cortana, we've gotten the sidearm, we've gotten all that stuff, and then everyone's like, we have to leave the ship. Mm-hmm. Just the pods go. So at this point, we also see like we we meet the Covenant for the first time and start seeing 
why they didn't just destroy the Pillar of Autumn when they first saw it. It's because the Pillar of Autumn was so close to the Halo ring, they thought it would damage the ring. Because uh, we see a prophet, and we, he has a, an elite speaking for him. And the elite says, you know, don't fire on this ship. Like, just go in and kill everyone. We're, we don't want to destroy the ring by any means because we find out you know this is what they've been looking for yeah because i think we kind of they kind of talk about whether it's in the prophet's mind or whether it's in the writer's own words that the prophets are kind of the leaders because they they can do this i guess what you'd call higher thinking mm-hmm. like the elites are kind of just bloodthirsty like yeah. they're like we need to destroy our enemy and that is our goal and the prophet's like no 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 no, no. we can do that in our own way but we have mm-hmm. to save that sacred ring. Yeah. In our second run-in, I guess, with what you would say, like, named or speaking roles of Covenant, Yeah, we run into this grunt, yep, yep. And it's the first grunt perspective we get. Yeah. And which I, I is one, probably my favorite character in this story, hands down. I love this dude. I am so glad they included him. And if you read it, you completely understand why. Mm-hmm. They take what is your typical cannon fodder with some funny lines in the game and kind of turns it into like a really awesome character who through weird self-preservation like climbs the ranks of the covenant order yeah and so we see that here so he him and a group of grunts are going through the autumn as life pods are being ejected and as just gunfires going everywhere and they were kind of i guess late to the party they were kind of this cleanup crew <laughs> yeah and uh That's the best way to describe yeah there's kind of this, this late to the party cleanup crew so they stumble upon this uh super injured elite Mm-hmm. And you know everyone's like just just leave him like he, that's what he would do to us yeah but he's thinking no if if I save him and we take him over to a life ship we don't have to fight yeah like let's just leave while we can yeah so like uh let's save him so they end up saving this uh, unnamed elite we would say right now mm-hmm. um, just to get off the planet they're like uh, it's a higher up elite uh we'll get rewarded for this probably and we don't have to fight it's a win-win mm-hmm. so they make their way out back to their ship yeah and then at that point chief makes his way he kills off a few grunts don't don't they like drop on top of him or something yeah they, it's like it's just really interesting tellings of like these aliens either dropping around them there's or some like like, like very silly parts which i kind of like like yeah. like a, a grunt just like dropping on top of chief from like uh the air vent or oh, something yeah because yeah. he just like rips his rebreather off and like he just yeah. flounders on the ground yeah that's always sad though they describe many times like they'll shoot the methane tanks and then they just like suffocate and die because yeah. especially like in these books like the more books you read from the halo universe the more and more you feel for uh, some of the lesser species within the covenant well, especially when you learn later in the games, like why they were controlled certain ways mm-hmm. and how all of the races kind of came together. Yeah. You realize that they're like, especially the grunts, mm-hmm. everyone hates grunts. Yeah. Until you read the books and then yeah. you're just like, ah. Oh, and then everyone, the, everyone yeah. in the books hates grunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's Contact Harvest is when they, they start telling a handful of those stories, mm-hmm. which I can't wait to do Contact Harvest. I'll get there. Moving on, though, uh, Chief eventually, they make their way to the life pod and they make their way down to... Uh, they make their way down to the ring, and this is, of course, you know, Key says he's going to land the Autumn. We're, we're kind of skipping over some things because we assume you've played Combat Evolved, so you'll kind of know some of these mm-hmm. things. Because, again, the retelling part. Yeah, and, and before Key starts taking the ship down, and at this time, we get to see the viewpoint of some ODSTs landing. 
um, which are which are the first combatants down on the ground and a group that we're going to follow the rest of the book, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. So this is where we meet Major Antonio Silva, and we also meet Melissa McKay, who is his second in command. You'll learn that Silva is like one of the worst characters in this book. I'm just putting that one in there right now, just to warn you. Like, almost everything he says you hate. Listen, Silva is the other side. <laughs> Silva does what he can as a staunch military man. You'll, you'll learn yeah. that as, like, his training has been. So, but we meet, we meet this crew, and these guys jump in their pods, drop down, and they are the first to hit the ground mm-hmm. and continue on to basically what Master Chief is doing in level one mm-hmm. after they get off the autumn of Combat Evolved. Something I like is, like again, like these little details as they talk about through the comm channels, one ODST plays the, uh, it's like the ODST anthem kind of, yeah. and they said any other time he would have gotten in trouble, but since this is such like a a dire last ditch kind of effort that no one said anything because it was almost like a morale boost mm-hmm. like a little, a little details like that i like that you know no one said anything because like they needed this yeah and i think that's where like dites like war war training has come in like mm-hmm. those like break of command things where it's like you're not supposed to do that but this is the time that you're supposed to do that yeah like, like it's those little things thing. yeah yeah and so they they take a butte, correct? So 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 they they land and they're 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 trying to get established because and the greatest thing about the ODST pods is that they're quick and they're small. So like any anti air fire and things like that, they it's really hard to hit them. So that's kind of what they bank on. That's why they fly solo. So if you lose one of them, you only lose one soldier. Whereas if you lose a pelican, you lose a group of soldiers. Mm-hmm. So so they they land down, they bust out of their capsules, and they regroup and. Some little, they have a couple little ground spats, and they realize that uh, over there is this butte that they need to take. It's kind of this central post that'll give them view over kind of all of the area. It's an awesome spot for them to set up camp, be able to see. Mm-hmm. So they realize it's already covenant controlled. So they start to piece everybody together and begin the operation to take that. And something that happens in this book a lot is like compared to like the fall of Reach, it's like. One giant section will take place with just one story and, like, one group. This one jumps around a lot, so there's multiple things happening. And at this point, we start. We go back to the Combat Evolved retelling, which is uh, Chief lands, and they start making their way towards saving these Marines after fighting off some Banshees and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then it's basically, you know, the, the wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing that happens. We're saving these Marines, and then we make our way through the, uh, quote, not a natural formation yep. cave. And we find ourselves in that area where you have to activate the light bridge. Yes. And something I like about this is is the author kind of putting in his little perspective is that Chief kind of thinks that this light bridge and all these controls are oddly familiar, but he doesn't know why, which is, again, something that's not touched about for, I want to say, 10 years later, which I can't wait to talk about. But Chief is just like, I don't know why, but this stuff is really familiar. So mm-hmm. then... We, we start seeing once again, we go through basically mission two of Combat Evolved. Yeah. And then, like Jesse said, the kind of bouncing around. Then we go back to the autumn a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so this is when Keys gets to this last life ship. So, so they've already got this uh, autumn set on a course. And Cortana left behind like this weird piece of herself that's not herself as like basically the, the program to land the ship. Mm-hmm. And so they set that in motion. And they get on. And so as their pod, it's the same type of pod that you see in the game, mm-hmm. the life pod. Um, as their pod's going down, uh, 
the captain notices this shimmer. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, he knows this shimmer. And and we see a little earlier that uh, Isna Nasli, uh, who is this stealth elite, has made his way on. Mm-hmm. And, he, no, and no one really noticed. Uh, and he had been on the ship the whole time. He was just kind of like, try, that was like his mission, right? To kind of just... To observe. Yeah. So he, so he originally was on the bridge and, and was cloaked and just observing to see like what the, how the human leader, Keys, for mm-hmm. this ship was, was doing things. And so he makes his way on. And so Keys is, you know, he asked, he asked the uh, Marine next to him, he's like, son, can I see your sidearm real quick? Which I like the Marines like, I don't want to get, like, I don't want to be defenseless, but gives it to yeah, him. And, and before he's like, and like, I like that they're saying, even before he finished this thought, he felt his sidearm being pulled from him. It, it was like a rhetorical thing, like, yeah. hey, give me this. Yeah. So we see Keys just aim at like the center mass of this blur and just open up on it. Mm-hmm. And then as as the camo fails, boom, falls this dead elite and everyone's just yeah. like jaw drops. Yeah. And he just gives him the pistol back and he's like... That's a nice piece you got there, son. You might want to reload that thing. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, I like that because it, it, the the elite's on the pod for a minute before yeah. that happens. So I think like the whole entire time he's probably thinking to himself, oh shit, oh shit. Because it talks about how he's like, he's trying to like sneak around people and then like imagine just standing there and then you just see a guy just look into you and like point a gun at you. Because doesn't it talk about like Keys like looks at him at one point and I think Keys was just like trying to like figure out the right time to kill him yeah because he he saw and noticed he's like okay well we'll play this cool for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then he just does it and so it's it's cool to see that like keys is still kind of like this badass like yeah yeah, so i got it don't worry about it yeah you got you guys here protect us you're armed yeah don't worry about it yeah i got you I'm, i'm the captain and everything i shouldn't be doing this yeah but I did this. Exactly. And so that pod lands. And now you have this group of the crew on there with, uh, I think, three Marine kind of guards they had. Mm-hmm. So and then with this, like we kind of keep, like I said, we keep flipping back and forth because you're kind of retelling the, the original ODSTs who dropped. You have Master Chief doing his uh, Combat Evolved mm-hmm. fun run. You have keys in their group. Mm-hmm. Then you have Yap Yap with going back to the base afterwards, you know, after they had saved the elite, which is a, which is a Zuka Zamami. Yes. Basically, I like that Yap Yap gets called to the, like the, the main bridge area. What would yeah, you call it? Yeah. So he gets called, yeah, to the bridge. I guess is the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And he's, he's nervous cause he's like, oh, and so the elite actually is like, Hey, saw what you did there. I appreciate it. So I'm, you're, you're coming with me now. Like yeah, my, assist, my assistant died. So you're mine now. And so he doesn't like this because he's like, I'm for sure dead. He's like, this guy's a higher up. He goes on crazy missions. I'm doomed. Like, this is going to be my life now. You know, he we learn that like another thing where you see like grunts are kind of just trying to take care of themselves. If they don't have to be on the front line, they're not going to. So we also learn that uh, Zuka Zamami goes to the prophet and his like kind of elite speaker and says, you know, this is the first time they acknowledge Master Chief. They're like, listen, we need to kill this guy. He's killed over a thousand of our men, like, which I think that number is grossly inaccurate in, in retrospect, but I digress. And so they're kind of like, don't worry about it. Like, that guy's fine, whatever. And they never refer to him as the demon because I don't think that was ever established yet mm-hmm. in the lore. They call him, uh, they say, like, the human in special armor. And so the elite just kind of said, or the, uh, the the prophet and the elite kind of say, no, we're not going to worry about this guy, which kind of bites him in the ass later on that we learn. Yeah, because their thing was like, hey, listen, 
Yeah, they, they they do have that soldier, but we also killed a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Like they're defeatable. Like I wouldn't worry about it. We've got bigger things to deal with. Like mm-hmm. we're on the ring world. This is what we have to do. And home stretch, baby. Home yeah, stretch. Yeah. Like just chill. Like like some something will take care of that type thing. Mm-hmm. And so jumping back, you know, we see Chief finish out level two. He gets picked up by Foe Hammer, and then now we're jumping to Keys. Correct. He's in his kind of group. Yeah. So, so I always picture them as if they were like just lost on some desert world for some reason because they're just like, we don't know where the hell we are. Like, like, yeah. they're, like they're, they still haven't been rescued or found any other group. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just been them. But they've always had like a banshee or two kind of always getting in close and they've been running for miles. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like six hours on and off of running. Yeah. And, so during this time point, uh, I think it is Ensign Elendowski, I think that's who it was, is kind of like, let's just give up. Like, this is this is dumb. We're not going anywhere. Let's just let the Covenant get us. Uh, she's like suggesting surrender, right? She's yeah. like, they haven't killed us when they can. Yeah. Like, she, I think they want to capture us. I think they want to capture us. Everyone's like, uh, do you realize that they do not take prisoners? Like, like yeah. I don't know how many times we have to re- reiterate that. They kill Mm-hmm. And, like they have no use for us. Yeah, and and so I think someone pulls a gun to her head, and they're all like threatening to kill her right there. Mm-hmm. And so then Keys is like, just tie her up. You know, if she wants to get captured, take all her supplies and tie her up right here. Yeah, and yeah, she just and she's surprised by this, but it's I mean, she was kind of almost trying to commit mutiny. So yeah. like they, she got it kind of you know this is what's going to happen, which we learn later on she was kind of correct because what happens after that? Yeah, so then we learn later that that Keys and his uh, group of bridge members and the couple Marines they run to the Covenant again, and mm-hmm. with that Covenant comes the ensign. And she's kind of like, I mean, see, like they took me prisoner. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen. And as soon as they get there, uh, one of the bridge mates like tries to speak up and yell, like and scream at them, gets shot. Yeah, that's a thing. Like shockingly and like immediately, like no holds bar, just shoots her dead. Yeah, and she just drops to the ground. And then everyone around Keys just gets shot. And then the ensign's just sitting there, like wide eyed, like no. I, you told me that they were all going to be prisoners. And I love this at this point. The elite bends down and picks up her sidearm, which was like just uh, one of the pistols. And it's like, looks at it and then puts it right to her head and just shoots her in the head. And is like, these primitive machines. Then she like throws it. Projectiles. Yeah, primitive what projectiles. Calls them, yeah. And uh, it's everyone's decks for keys. Which it notes like he's like, I wish I was dead. Yeah. Like his whole crew that he's been through a lot with just got killed in front of his eyes. He's like, I want to die. Yeah. And he was like, I'd rather be dead than a prisoner mm-hmm. at and, this point. And they they take it. So that's where we learn like how Keys got captured in in the game. Because, you know, he's on the Truth and Reconciliation. Yeah. That, so, yeah. So that's where we see all these different mission points where like for me, like, some of that stuff was very confusing in the game where it's just like he's in the ship now. Oh, yeah. now he's on that ship now. Mm-hmm. So this book really delves into that really nicely. Yeah, and so then we go back to Chief, and something I did like is that actually, like, Chief gets time to rest for a second. He yeah. goes and, like, showers and eats, and you kind of, like, see that he has, like, a few hours of downtime. Because isn't it he, like, falls asleep the second he gets picked up by Fohammer? Yeah, or, he's like, yeah, she's like, 
here's ha- having a ride, Chief. And he's he's like, yeah, thanks for the ride. Just fall asleep. Yeah, which you got to think of like hours and hours of just fighting and literally zero rest. Yeah, because they do bring up too that he takes like stim packs and takes like these like wake up things. Mm-hmm. He's and, basically just doing speed. Yeah, she just has a bunch of cocaine. He's just like running around <laughs> doing it and then just crashes on her ship. Yeah, basically. And so at that point, you know, uh, we see Chief. He he's able to shower and kind of just reset. And then he gets called to talk to uh, Silva, mm-hmm. and this is where this is where I'm just like I hate this guy because he just basically he knows he's in charge at this point because Keys is out of the picture right now. So he basically just rags on Chief. He he literally just says like, "Listen, all your friends are dead because they're not as good as ODSTs." And he's like, "You you guys are just freaks." Like basically what exactly what he's saying. Yeah, it's it's a it's a standpoint that you you see in various other aspects of life. Um, where this is so much more of like this very proud ODST majors like, listen, we're the ones who do the heavy lifting and you come in and get the medals type thing. It's like, yeah, you're just a freak. They took you as a baby, put, pumped you full of juice and gave you this armor. Like, what makes you think that you're better than us? And at this point, too, we have to well, make this note. Chief's out of his armor mm-hmm. Yeah, when, he, when he's meeting them. And it's really interesting because uh, McKay... She brings up the, like how ghostly white he is because they never see the sun. Yeah, and that's so crazy to me. And I think for her and for a lot of other ones to see him as human was very weird. Mm-hmm. But I think they also like felt for him at that point because mm-hmm. she saw how much time he does in his armor. Like yeah, and the scars and just everything that mm-hmm. has happened to him. He's and he's just a, like he's just a soldier. And it's interesting because the chief kind of tactfully dances his way around this and you know uh the major goes off on and on and on and on he's like don't you think you're a freak don't you think we're better off this he's just sir no sir yeah nope yeah and and at that point it's it's odd because he just he flips a switch he goes now that i got that out of the way with and he just sits them sits chief and mckay down and then they just go about the mission which is to save keys yeah he's like Perfect. Off my chest. All right. Flip back. Boom. We're going back to mission time. Mm-hmm. Need and just to save him. Treats him like any other soldier yeah. at that point. You're still garbage, but I need you. <laughs> <laughs> like... You're garbage. That's on my team. Yeah. And so then you know we go into we're rescuing keys. We're going to the truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We make our way. We we fight the covenant. We then fight the hunters. We make our way up the ship. Fight through, and we find keys. And it's, again, that kind of, he, it's Keyes saying, oh, I overheard the Covenant saying that this is some kind of weapon, which I just always love that explanation that Joe Statton said that was just like, that was a whole level cut out. I just had to write that in a sentence. So th- it's always funny, just, it's always funny to me just seeing that once again, like in writing in a book. All right. And so then we've, we've gotten Keyes back. We've rescued some of the prisoners. They're picking up the Covenant weapons. Mm-hmm. So we're making our ways out. And then they do the fantastic retelling of them getting to the Covenant dropship. Mm-hmm. And then just spearing both those hunters. Yeah, Keys is like, screw it. I'm yep. going to drive this bad boy. Yeah, and they just give those lines like, Cortana's like, you know, I, give me a second, I can take over. He's like, I got this one. Yep, and and he just does that, and they get on their way. And mm-hmm. then now we see, they kind of also touch on the damage done afterwards. Which is, I love this damage control, kind of seeing the everything that's happened. And it's what? They take out dozens of Covenant and only like six humans like six humans are killed versus like dozens of covenant correct yeah it's, it's something like those numbers it's basically like half human if it whatever number it is it's half the humans were killed like 
compared to the full size of Covenant. Mm-hmm. And they said it should have been like reversed. Like, yeah. Only a few Covenant. And then that's when Zuka, Zamami, and Yap Yap see like this was this was that quote human in special armor. But then it's, yeah, it, it's cool to see that perspective of like Chief just coming through and killing everything in sight. Yeah. And then we get uh, Zuka Zamami's point when he goes to the council. And, the, and before he had to wait on the council and had to be answered in. And it was this, kind of like a, he was sitting in a lobby. Yeah. It really was. And then this time they're just like, come in. Yeah, All right. Immediately, no wait. All right. Uh, do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. And because I think every time he also goes to the council, we see less and less council members mm-hmm. because they're dying <laughs> in the battles. He's like, oh, yeah, there used to be this one guy I knew and this other guy. And now it's just you few. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're like, any means necessary. Do what you got to do. So then he gets back to Yep Yep. He's like, we're doing Yep Yep's like, oh. Uh, it, it just everything that Zuka Zamami decides to do, it's just Yep Yep being like, shit. That's just what I love. It. And it's almost like their antics we see, it's almost like Pinky in the Brain. Yes. Literally what I imagine. It's like, what are we going to do today, uh, Brain, or whatever he says. And it's like, same thing we do every day, Pinky. Try to kill the Master Chief. That's literally, it's just like these silly little things that they're trying to do. It is. As we keep going through, you'll learn. Like, they play the perfect trope villain of always being either in the wrong place at the wrong time or just so incompetent that just stuff goes wrong. They're like, like especially like they're like Jesse and James from Pokemon, or like any of these it, other characters. It, it's and it's unintentional. It's like at least it's not obvious. Yes. it's just like they tell in a serious story, but you just see these two goofballs. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, it is, and it's and you're right. Like it is very pinky in the brain of like one's got a plan and one just like. Okay, let's let's go along with it. Sure, <laughs> and then it just backfires every time. Mm-hmm. And so now we see we we see Keys take command, right? Yeah. So Keys is taking command. So so before we talk about Silva, Silva was like, I don't know where Keys is, so I'm in command right now. Yeah. So you listen to me, and not Keys is back. It's and, you know it's back to the way it was. And Silva thing. doesn't like it because Keys automatically takes back command, and mm-hmm. Silva's like, this is how it should be, but I'm annoyed. And of course, he once again has to go on a tangent about the chief. Just one last time, be like, "Yo, let's not bother with this guy." And she and Keys literally says, "If I could have a hundred of them, I would." Like, yeah, Keys's speech was probably one of his like most tactful things he did mm-hmm. because he even says like he listened to him. He listened, he disagreed wholeheartedly with him. But he goes, "You know what? You make some really really good points about this." Just so you know, a lot of people don't know, I was there when the doctor picked these kids out. And I'm as responsible as everyone else for this program. Do I like what we did? No. Mm-hmm. Am I glad we did it? Of course. And that's when, yeah, he said, I'd, I'd love to have a hundred of them. Yeah, like, listen, this is the cards we're dealt. And he even acknowledges, like, I get you and your ODST did amazing things here, but, like, you can't say that this guy is just nothing. Like, he's one of the most important people here. He is. And and Keys, I think, in that speech, too, saved so many lives. Because Silva's like, yeah. my men can take that point my men could take that why are you sending one guy in to do that he's like you know what i believe your men could do this entire thing but would you rather save them and send this weird quote-unquote freak you say or you know like there's other things your men can do that are important Mm -hmm. and i think keys had that perfect compromise for him plus if we learned anything from the game is that all those marines the few marines that went with you died anyway so So, definitely better off doing that. <laughs> definitely better off like the freak dealing with this than than all those ODST that are going to get capped. Yeah. So at this point, there's three different events going on in the book. There's the silent cartographer. There is Keys and Johnson and a few other Marines. They're they land in that swamp to go find a weapons cache, and then there's uh, a group of ODST. 
with and McKay led with McKay, and they're going to the Pillar of Autumn because they're going to go get some more rations and vehicles and weapons and whatnot. Yeah, because they finally discovered where it landed, mm-hmm. and they discovered that hey, it's pretty intact. So they fend off any kind of covenant who've come up there to investigate the scene, mm-hmm. and they discover that there's still a lot of stuff they can grab. Mm-hmm. Tanks, pelicans, warthogs, rockets, all this other stuff. Yeah. And I love that they're talking about how they're short on men because all these other things are going on. So they're like, we're just going to grab everybody. Technicians, pilots, accountants, random yeah. people who are there. Yeah. You're going to drive something or pick something up. Yeah. Everyone's a soldier at that point. Mm-hmm. And so then we move on like uh, with a silent cartographer mission. It's basically a retelling of everything that goes on within the mission, almost down to what corridors you're going into, the elite locking it. You know, you have to go to this other side of the island, then come back. And this is where we kind of see more of the antics of uh, Yap Yap and... Some of me. Yeah. So what happens with that? Yeah. So, so you know, at all those, like, control room e points you go in, they're all replicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go in... And you discover there's two hunters when you go in there. Yeah. And this happens to be a trap that sprung by Zamami. Yeah. Because he knew the human was coming. He knew this was happening. And so the battle ensues. And the chief is fighting off these hunters. And one of the greatest things is one of the grunts that's with them, they're in the shadows. So that's Mm -hmm. why we don't see them in the game is like they never actually come out. Yeah. One of the grunts like charges, overcharges his plasma pistol to fire at the chief. And ends up striking one of the hunters as the chief kills the other hunter. And he's just kind of like, what? Yeah, he doesn't he like check his weapon. He's like, what's going on here? Yeah, he's like, what happened with that? And so then uh, Zamami pulls Yap Yap in the shadow. He's like, another day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that same villain thing of like, <laughs> we'll get him sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like, no, nah, no, nah, another time. And And every time this happens, he's like just kill me like he's literally just (laughs) like it's it's to the point he's like i just want someone to shoot me in the head because he's like i'm gonna die anyways like all this crazy stuff we're doing yeah all you're doing is just like delaying the inevitable we know it's going to happen Mm -hmm. yeah and so switching back uh later on we find out basically what happens with keys and and uh the rest of the marines and johnson is that they get they discover the flood eventually yes and and so we're reintroduced to jenkins we yeah. we knew him in we knew him in the first book in the Fall of Reach. Uh-huh. We knew him in Combat Evolved, and so now we're actually getting to know him mm-hmm. and his thoughts and things like that. So we discover that he's just kind of a coward. Like he he wanted kind mm-hmm. of nothing to do with this, and yeah. he, along with everyone else, you figure out, but somehow not Johnson. <laughs> gets infected. Gets infected. But it's a little different for him. Yes. Yeah, so so. The flood is reactivated after what? Like, it was, what, 100,000 years? To, what was it? 10,000 or 100,000. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I know it was, It was on you know, with, with way back when, when the flood was created or how, however they were established, these pods have been just sitting forever. So he mm-hmm. got infected with, like, just a lazy garbage one. Yeah, one that was like kind of like half awake when he did it. Mm-hmm. So what basically happens is he doesn't die. He's living in this flood-infected body and... They're kind of like taking control of it back and forth, right? Yeah, and and his thing kind of goes dormant, and like because it's it's in his. They basically tap in your nervous system. They can control everything, control your brain, but he still has full cognitive function of himself, like his brain, his thoughts, mm-hmm. and kind of what's all going through, and still has some motion he can do occasionally, like take over. And we find out he like tries to kill himself a few times, like because 
he's he's feeling like sometimes like as he's transforming or like the flood and the flood uh that took him over is doing something with his body like a bone will break Mm -hmm. and he can feel it like Mm -hmm. anytime like he's shot or anything like that i don't think he ever gets shot but anytime something happens to him he feels it and like when this thing tries to attack sometimes it'll break another arm or break another bone and he just it's like pure agony yeah so so this is where we discovered them and you know what kind of happened with that and so then back to chief chief uh we start seeing assault on the control room now. Yeah, so so they've gotten the silent cartographer. They figure out where they're going, and this is where Fohammer's dropping them down. Mm-hmm. And we move through that once again. I can't think off the top of my head. There's nothing really that they add in here too much. It's just again kind of more of if you've played the game or if you if you're curious about this part, listen to episode one from us because we described this this mission and it's even uh, after this mission then we kind of learn that Keys has gone missing. But yeah, so then we we move on and Chief is you know he needs to find Keys. I like that they also talk about how like Silva says like when they learn that. Uh, uh, Master Chief went to go find him. It's like he kind of just went rogue to go find him. And they're like, he's pretty useless, but he gets dropped off at the swamp. And that's where we start uh, 343 Guilty Spark. Yes. The, the mission, you know. Yeah, that's where we started. And that's where you get that same type of feeling again. It's how I got. Because, and once again, it is a full retelling up until we get back to like Jenkins and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I, I love them really describing like the gaseous swamp that he comes in, just mm-hmm. festering and. He sees a work light in the distance and goes towards it. He's like, he's like, I guess that's what drew keys over here was this work light, this covenant work light. I also like they they talk about he finds a shotgun. And mm-hmm. a, little, a little trivia about this is uh, Luke the Notable did a great video on this. Check out his YouTube channel. Is that uh, we we're talking about like what difficulty is canon for Halo? And in the easy difficulty, you find a shotgun in that swamp very early on. And so clearly the the writer played this on easy, found the shotgun. And so it's described in the book. He finds the shotgun and like goes about it. So people mm-hmm. always thought that's kind of the canon difficulty because that's that's what happens. But it's really more or less that uh, Dites was just playing on easy. Yeah. Especially if you're going to play this multiple times. Like, of course, he's just going to play on easy. But if you ever want to find that shotgun early on, play on easy. Yeah, stuff like that is just so interesting to see. that Because you're right, like, this is written into to, to canon lore mm-hmm. in this book. It's just because the guy played on easy mode. Yeah, basically, he's just like... And I would, too. Oh, like, yeah. whenever we did that speed run, weren't we, like, on easy as mm-hmm. well? Like, because we'd... Anytime we do a game, we play the campaign separately, and then we get together so we can take notes and discuss it, and we just do a quick run-through on, like, easy, just so we can see everything one last time. Yeah, the only thing you die to multiple times in Combat Evolved is your own Banshee. If you're, if you're an inch above where you should be <laughs> dropping. Yep. Chief then finds out the fate of Jenkins and everyone else that was on kind of that raid for the Covenant Cash. And uh, then he has to fight his way through the rest of the flood because mm-hmm. he discovers them. Again, kind of that retelling walk through, make our way out, and this is where... Well, the, one, the one thing I do want to add before we pop out back to the swamp, mm-hmm. uh, two things I really like that they wrote in. One, that Chief would stop at all the human bodies that weren't turned oh, to, it... to double-check their dog tags. Mm-hmm. He still had that soldier attitude of like, I need their, like if, if their dogs are still with them, I need them. And the other thing too is we learn that not everyone either died or was converted in that small room we first see mm-hmm. because he sees that there are bodies that have made their way through. Yeah, that that necessarily weren't 
just dead in that room. And he, he kind of remarks that he's like, well, I'm glad some people put up a fight type thing. Yeah. And eventually he makes his way out back in the swamp. They're all hauling ass to get out of there. And this is where we meet 343 Guilty Spark. And he's he's basically, hey, what's up? Need you. Teleports out. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, everyone's freaking out because he's now gone. So now we're switching gears, moving over back to uh, McKay. And now we we see our friend Yap Yap again. Yeah. So So some of the stuff that we're seeing as we go on is all of these... Uh, ODSTs and Marines and everyone's recovered that's made it to Alpha Base, which is on that butte that we talked about. Yeah. They're doing these kind of, you know, your routine patrols. They've they've already set up a routine. They've built the base up. And we get a return from one of the Banshees because some of the humans have captured Banshees to be, hey, we uh, noticed a ghost down there overturned. Was that any of us? Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, "Mm, let's check that out. That might be a trap. And we discover that, you know, it is a setup. It's So they put Yap Yap out there and kind of blighted him up a little bit as if he crashed his ghost. Yeah, and he's he's just laying there. And I, I love that. It's just, again, he's laying there like, this is stupid. Like, I why? It's basically just like a why me situation. Yeah, because this is one of those schemes that they've put together uh, that is, hey, we're, that we're, Zamami needs to find that human. Because uh, he comes back. As well from the council for, I guess, the third time. And the council's like, hey, so you really messed up back there and didn't kill that human. Uh, you got one shot left. Yeah, like, we really need this guy dead. Yeah. And so the plan is to have Yep Yep get captured. And within his breathing apparatus, they put this kind of signal transponder mm-hmm. that will notify the elite that, hey... That human in the armor's on base, come take the base, kill the human. Yeah, and they, they capture him and put him in a cell, and then an assault happens. Yeah, so, so we learn, as as the chief is, you know, doing his combat evolve stuff with Guilty Spark and running the, the through library. There, the library, um, we learn that uh, there is a dropship that is trying to land at Alpha Base, at one of the bases they set up, and mm-hmm. so it's... A couple of guards are sitting there playing cards, and they get a call sign from a ship they haven't heard from since the autumn. Yeah. And, you know, they run it through uh, the AI, and he's like, yeah, I mean, that is a call sign. And, and yeah, they, Wellesley, which, which we Wellesley. haven't really talked about, but there's another AI, uh, quote, dumb AI, Wellesley. Yeah, Wellesley. He's, he's kind of just like this combat AI, and, and mm-hmm. he, he runs the, runs the, crunches the numbers and everything, and then they get, you know, the, even the pilot gives him his call sign and all of his, his uh, insignia, and he's like, well, I mean, that's, like, that's him. It's a captured uh, pilot. Yeah, right? so, yeah. So, so we don't learn yet, but like we, we learn as it goes on that... Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for two <laughs> seconds from now, um, that this pilot's captured. And and he's able to convince them, like, hey, I got a mayday. Like, I need to land now. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, go to Bay 3. Um, you know, we'll have uh, medics there. And then Wesley, you know, advises, be on full alert. Like, let's get a strike team there. Yeah, that's what I like. He's like, by the way, like, let's prepare for something. Yeah. This is fishy. So, so they get this stri- strike team prepared and everything, and... Then it goes to the ship point of view, and the pilot's like, how'd I do? And yeah, yeah, kind of like, so like, did I do good? Yeah, and the elite's like, you did great, and then pulls out, uh, like, piano wire, basically, and then strangles him with it. Yeah, like, real real mobster move. Yeah, so he's got, like, karate, he just, like, takes him out, and he's like, he just shit himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or no, he pissed himself, right? He shit himself. He's like, mm, he soiled himself. Well, that's why, I, when I hear soil. Oh, soiled is a, that's a stinky doo-doo. 
Well, that's what happens when you die, right? For anyone listening who didn't know that, yeah, all depending your, on how you die. Yeah, all your bowels evacuate. Yeah. but And so then it's just uh, another another battle that I like that we find out on the Halo ring. Yes. Yes. So you have you have that the group of elites who are uh, all clad with camouflage and everything, and mm-hmm. Zamami's part of it. And so they land this assault force, and they start having dropships come in, and they're trying to take this base. And quick thinking Silva... You know, he, he has, they're trying to shoot him down. He has uh, someone go and just leak fuel mm-hmm. all over the floor and then just ignites it with a grenade and just burns up a bunch of these elites who are up there and just kind of foils this assault for the most part. Yeah. We see Zukazamami finally find his way to Yap Yap because he said, like, hey, listen, I'll come get you. And Yap Yap didn't really believe it. But then he finds him and he's like, he's like, holy shit, he came for me. But then you realize it's just like he needed him some more. He's like, hey, so where's where's the guy? Where's the guy? And then this is where we kind of start seeing a turn of events. Yap Yap's like, he's guarding some, he's guarding these uh, banshees. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's going to question me on this because we found out he's like, he's lying about this. And he's like, okay, cool, let's go. Yeah. So they just make their way. And he's just like, I just lied to him. And he just, without question, because he's so desperate to kill him. He's just like, anything he can get, he just goes. Mm -hmm. And this is where we start, you know, they make their way out there. There's no, quote, human in special armor. And this is where we kind of see a betrayal. uh, Yap, yap, pulls out his his, uh, plasma pistol. And it's like, all right, pilot this thing, let's go. Which I didn't realize uh, an elite and a grunt can fit in a banshee. Yeah, so it's, they they they, they, it's, they leave in a banshee, correct? Yes, yeah. and this and this, they, they do say it's weighted down because it drops mm-hmm. when they first take off because it's only built for basically one rider of certain weight. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and it's interesting too because you're right because it's funny that the retelling of it in the book and how the writer wrote it, he talks about how much of a high that was. Yeah, for yep, yep, yeah. Well, he's and I think within the lore, he's the only grunt to ever do that to an elite and survive. Yes, he, like he he's like all right. Let's do this. And even uh, Zukazamami is like kind of like tempted to challenge it, but he's like, it's a charged pistol. I might die. Like, yeah. He'll drop my shield and kill me. And he's kind of like, well, I've never seen a grunt like act like that. Like, full up, like, no, we're getting out of here either together or I kill you. It, that is, that is like the extreme point of having enough shit, like, or having enough of someone's shit. He's like, mm-hmm. he's over it. Like, let's do this. Like, oh, let's go. And so then they make their way out. We kind of find about their plan later on that we'll touch on. And so the the library mission happens. The library mission happens. And I I will say some of the stuff that I like about library and when we get to two betrayals, Mm -hmm. um, I really like the author's description of how the weapons affect Flood differently. Yeah. Like uh, we're kind of mixing the missions together, but you kind of know what happens. Um, Sorry, folks. Yeah, <laughs> but but as as he's going through, um, you know, underground, taking all the elevators in the library, mm-hmm. he's he's talking about how like the shotgun's the way to go, and it, it is in the game how yeah. it is, and how all these different weapons he's trying to pick up and shoot, and the the different accuracies on things, and talks about in two betrayals, he picks up a sniper rifle, and he starts like trying to put rounds to the flood. And they just create a perfect hole right through him. It doesn't affect him at all. Yeah, it's just like, well, this is absolutely useless at yeah, this he, point. Yeah, he's like, because there's no vital organs. It's all just decay and all this stuff. Yeah. And I really, really love that description of it. Something I like is that, uh, like, at the very beginning of the library is when she finds himself transported in the library. He just starts shooting at Spark. Like, yeah. his first <laughs> yeah. reaction, just starts shooting at me. You notice it doesn't do anything. So he's just kind of like, I guess I'm stuck. Like, it's just like, instantly just like, what the hell? 
and then the guy says like three four three is like come on and yeah. then he's just like okay and then they just move on another great thing uh with spark is him and the chief they have that weird cordial kind of like relationship yeah like, chief is still kind of like what is that and he's like reclaimer how do you not know and then she's finally like you're right i forgot yeah you should probably like, just retell me about it yeah it's kind of like he just has to kind of play along with it yeah you know how you never forget that type of stuff I, I don't know. You tell me. If you had Audible. Really? Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash finish the fight to get started today. Why Audible, you may say. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And what you can do, you can go ahead and uh, listen to The Flood today and listen to kind of the parts that we miss or fuck up or you just want to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how, that's how I've done all these books so far is through Audible, and it just makes it super easy where you can be on the road or be doing work or edits like we do and get up to date. Yeah. I still love me some paper book, but this is such an awesome, awesome asset as well. It's the modern way to go about books. Exactly. <laughs> and so to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash finish the fight for your free audiobook. Thank you again, Audible, for sponsoring today's podcast. After we, like, move on from Chief going through and getting the index, and we see that uh, the UNSC are recovering from that assault from the Covenant. So, like, let's go get them. Like, there's a recovery team coming. Like, let's go get them. Then the floods show up because they're out and about. You know, the, the Covenant woke them up, and so they're now just creating hell for everyone and we see jenkins again and he sees you know he's trying he's tried to kill himself multiple times it's not working because at the last second the flood takes over and he's back and he sees he sees people with guns he's like awesome i I don't even really have to kill myself like i will get killed and it goes a little sour because he gets captured which i I didn't expect it's like oh god they capture him yeah which is crazy because i think he's the only one or the way to describe it and the way i remember it it's like he was the only one of the flood to be captured that yeah. was alive yeah and i think they eventually recognize him like this is you know this is private wallace jenkins like let's get him and, and at the time they think it's kind of like a disease but they still can they try to reason with him and talk to him and see like we're gonna try to fix him like let's see what happens yeah so there's this unsc member i forget what what she is uh but she recognizes him and she's like we need to treat him with respect this is a soldier here because i the way the flood works the way they describe it in the book once that spore that pod kind of embeds into your chest and goes to your spinal system and basically it rearranges you it turns you almost into Mm -hmm. goop smashes your head back and however the flood needs to use you as a combat form or as a carrier form, uh-huh. uh, it, it does that. But with Jenkins having that weak one, he still, as described, I think, looks human enough that they recognize yeah. from his face that it's him. You know, he's also making facial expressions mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, he's trying to communicate, and it's just, like, it's just not working. Yeah, um, but as we see, that flood form in him still can kind of take over. It's like, that's yeah. food. Get that food. Yeah, because at one point they try to communicate with him, and, like, 
uh, McKay's like his lips are dry, like he needs water. Yeah. And, like, and then the last second, the flood tries to go after him, and it just doesn't really work. Or her, I meant her. It the flood tries to go after her, and it it just doesn't really work. Yeah, and then that's that's another point where we talked about before. He breaks an arm doing that, so like he yeah. feels that, and like it's pure agony. Yeah. It, well, it's also it's like we talked about this before we started recording. It's like if this was of if if someone made this scene alone into like a movie, you know, it would just like. Or even just a live action version of it. It's like it talks about his like eyes are rolling in the back of his head. He's just like gurgling and like making these disgusting noises. It's like it's terrifying to read. It really is. Like I know we have these campy pinky in the brain moments, mm-hmm. but then we go into this and it's like terrifying and you're really feeling for him. Yeah, and I would love like a twenty minute short that's just his point of view from uh-huh. them going uh, almost doing a retelling of them going down into like little flood camp in the swamp. Mm-hmm. To like all of his things, like yeah, it'd be so cool to see that point of view and just like feel for him and like mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah, and we also learn he's trying to almost like tell them like there's more flood here. Like you'll see him like point over somewhere. Like he's mm-hmm. still trying to help, and that's why they haven't like killed him yet or anything because they're like he's still kind of there. We think. Yeah, and and that'll lead us to further in the book. But one point he does, he he keeps like looking and pointing down, and they're like your shoes. No, below us. And that's when mm-hmm. they get the realization that Alpha Base on that butte is actually right above, like, this vent that can just f- flood, flood yeah. right up into them. Yeah. Say that five times fast. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we kind of touch on two betrayals, but we go back. Chief and Cortana, you know, kind of bicker for a second. Cortana's like, uh, this asshole here just tried to kill us all. And so we're, we're making our way out. We see that Chief has to use his shield to overrun those pylons in mm-hmm. order to to distract uh, 343 Guilty Spark. And then at that point, they kind of devise the plan to destroy the Autumn, but they're like, we need Keys' chip. Mm-hmm. And then we're like... Hey, there's keys. Let's go get them. Yeah, and something we haven't touched on is it keeps refer. We keep going back to keys as he's infected, and we hear this voice trying to like pry in his mind, and he keeps like he's like saying his like service record and whatnot. And something that's sad is he's watching memories of his life disappear, like his first kiss and whatnot, like the first person he killed. Like he's literally, it's almost like a movie. He's watching them just like disappear. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting because it's showing that. The flood are not just this mindless feeding thing; they're actually using him. And we'll, you know, we'll see obviously who the flood's controlled by and, and how uh-huh. that works later on. But it's using him to kind of discover data because yeah. at one point he thinks about a memory back on Earth and specifically seeing Earth and all these other things. And then, you know, the, the flood inside him's like, "Oh, what is that? Yeah, like that looks delicious. <laughs> that looks mighty tasty." So then I think. He, He's still realizing. And so his way to stay human, he keeps repeating his name, rank, and serial number. Yeah. um, To kind of make sure that's always him. And that is helping him kind of push back on that and remember memories that aren't of Earth or that aren't specifically of locations on Earth or where Earth is or anything related to that. Yeah. And again, this is like he's his mind is being pried and he's still fighting back like down to last breath. So, yeah, at that point... We we get that retelling of uh, going to rescue Keys, and as he gets on the ship, we keep hearing Keys tell Cortana and John, like, go away, go away. And they're like, no, no, that, we're that's good. That's an order, yeah. Yeah, like, we're good. We're going to mm-hmm. come get you. And then uh, they find him once again because it's like right as they find him, he's finally gone. It's kind of like that coincidence. Like, they couldn't have saved him anyway, but he was still alive because the flood was keeping him alive to yeah. pry him until that last second. And then... 
you know, he's gone. And yeah, that's when Cortana's like, there's there's no life signs, but his little beeper thing is still going, so like, mm-hmm. we can still track where that is. Yeah, and it's just, uh, this is, again, you know, the second time we have to see the end to a character, but now, through these two books, we've really learned so much about him, and just all the things he's done for the UNSC and the, the humanity itself. And he went down fighting even when his body was no more and all he left with his mind. Yeah. Th- this book, I mean, I mean this, this and the fall of reach gave keys such a character building experience. Cause before he was, he was a captain of the ship that you were on. He gave you mm-hmm. his pistol and you saved him and then you saved him, but you didn't save him cause he's dead. Like that's, that's kind of like it was your experience with it, and I really love that they they gave him a death that was the best way to describe how he died. He went down fighting, like you said, yeah, and to really be able to be like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that you can't get what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it sucks because you really, as I said, through these two books. You really feel for this character you know, from the very beginning of the fall of Reach were introduced to him until now, and it's it's it is a badass way to go. It is, and going back a little bit in, I want to say this mission, but this, this chapter, the the book of this mission, um, I love the way that Deese like describes some of the things of the ship. So like the coolant that's leaking out so you can fall into that coolant pool. Yeah, because remember we didn't know what it was and so it's like, okay, this is coolant. Yeah, and and to describe, he's like, you know, this would this would have killed anybody if anyone else did this. And he's like, I'm in it and I can feel like my skin pricking with this coolant around my suit. And it's, yeah. it, it, they, they use such visual language in this that mm-hmm. it, you really, once again, you get the retelling I would say expertly in the way they describe how things are going on to feel that you're there, but also some elements where you're like, okay, so that's what that was. Oh, like that, that really describes so much more about it and just what has to happen Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. And so let's, let's, you know, switch gears again is we see, uh, Zukazamami and Yap Yap and they're kind of pinky and the brain thing is that, uh, Zukazamami takes the identity of a dead commander. Yeah, because he can't go back. He failed his mission once yeah. again, and he's like, they're going to have my head. I, I, I can't go back to the council. Mm-hmm. So Yap Yap describes his plan. Yeah, he's like, listen, you're you're going to take over. This guy just died. I saw him. You're him now. Yeah, because he was one of the elites who fell at the raid. Yeah. So they're like, they're, they know he's dead. You can take the identity, and they're going to the Pillar of Autumn. Mm-hmm. Because they know that there is a crew there, and Yep Yep's like, I know they're a skeleton crew, so they're not going to question actually who you are. Yeah, and plus we're short on people right now. So they kind of, you find out they do DNA tests when someone presents their identity, and they're like, they're not even going to worry about that. They're like, we're so short on men, they're just going to be like, cool, a higher-ranking guy, let's go. Yeah. And so he's he's also worried, like, oh my god, what if I what what if I see someone that knows me or no, knows this guy that I'm identity I'm taking over? Like, I'm freaking out right now. And so it's just, again, it's like yap, yap, like taking control. He's like, you know what? This is how it's going to be now. I'm tired of your shit. We're going by my call. Yeah. And I love that we did see this mini character arc of both Mm -hmm. of them. They both kind of flip flopped in their roles. Yeah. And it's just kind of like he's calling the shots now. And so doesn't it also after key or after the Master Chief leaves the Truth and Reconciliation, that it gets taken by the UNSC, correct? Okay, and to, and to kind of give this whole context of how the Truth and Reconciliation is going to be taken and what's happened with Pillar of Autumn is after Chief gets that neural implant mm-hmm. from Keys, 
he takes a banshee from the Truth of Reconciliation to make it over to the Pillar of Autumn. Dipset. He's like, all right, we're blowing this. We're going. We got to do this. And so Cortana and Wesley communicate, and Wesley sends back to Alpha Base, like, they're blowing this place up. We got to get out of here. And so Silva comes up with, hey, there's probably not much at Truth of Reconciliation. It's fully repaired. Yeah. And we just need to kind of take out the remaining defenders, and then we'll have a ride out of here. And I'll take this back to Earth. I'll be the only person ever to cover, like capture a Covenant ship, bring it back to Earth for research, and bring back these aliens, and bring back all this stuff we can research. Even though it's in violation of the Cole Protocol. Yeah. Like, which it's just like, that's like the biggest rule in this war. Yeah. Like, that's the, there's like a handful of, like, that's the biggest thing you don't do is break the Cole Protocol. Because they said you can be put to death mm-hmm. if you break that. And so, yeah, at that point, everyone on the ship is just like... Let's not like if one single like flood infector gets back to Earth, we're done. And everyone's trying to protest, and Silva's just like, "Don't care. I'm the commander. Let's do it." Yeah, because uh, they're they're talking and they're they're discussing. Especially like, McKay is kind of pushing back, saying like, "Even Wesley's like, yeah, this isn't a military move you need to do because if one spore makes it back, the Earth is gone." Uh huh. And and even say like in this ship, there's still twenty percent. Covenant on there. Like, there's still 20% of the ship that is not human taken yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's the... It's just it's a bad move. It's a bad move. And and I think it goes back to kind of that thing about, like, you're not a real soldier chief. You're a monster. Like, us yeah. ODSTs and us Marines are the real people yeah. here in this war. Well, part of his plan is he'll get a bunch of funding then for more ODST. Mm-hmm. And we'll win the war. And so, yeah, we also see... Uh, there's We see uh, Jenkins... Flood Jenkins trying yes. to destroy this thing, right? Like this certain, uh, like uh, it's like, like a coiling wire, and we get like one of those plot points that's described by one of the engineers. It's like, don't touch this. If this blows up, the ship blows up. But he was kind of saying that to like McKay, right? He was trying to say like, hey, like f- like being sarcastic, like you know, you probably shouldn't mess with that, or this ship's going to blow, and then well, just walks away. Well, yeah, because they were saying there's still 20% uh, covenant. They said, we need people to defend this because mm-hmm. this thing goes to the main reactor, Yeah, and we need to make sure that something doesn't happen to this. Yeah, and so we see that, you know, uh, Jenkins knew that, and he was trying to get to it, and finally McKay, McKay decides, like... She realizes what she has to do. Yeah, and it just sucks, and then... Jenkins mouse or like he he knows the ship's gonna go down and he says like thank you to her he mouths like thank you and we see this this ship's done and I I love that Wellesley says that AI he says to uh Silva like you taught her well because because yeah. Silva realizes what she just did and then the ship just ceases to exist it's and this was like I loved this part like mm-hmm. it almost gives like goosebumps it's just like all this coming together and like she she kills everyone and everyone knows it needs to be done and Jenkins finally getting peace like Silva knowing he screwed up and Wellesley just saying like this was you like you taught her to do this yeah like like she is the best soldier you could ever have because she is doing what you can't do yeah and what you should have done from the beginning I love it too because it just it's such a awesome thing where like they fought hard they survived these battles they went down in this flood infested hole and threw Mm -hmm. grenades and survived all this for nothing yeah and so yeah and then we kind of move back again to the final mission the maw Mm -hmm. and we we go through that we see um we destroy those or we throw the grenades in those vents and we we once again have to see the death of faux hammer unfortunately another great character that is just like damn it 
why do why, a lot of deaths are described very vividly yes. in this, and it's just like it really makes you feel for it. And I love too. They describe Chief's emotions about it. Mm-hmm. He's he's upset. He's actually upset, and he's like, "I wish there was something. I wish we could like basically trade place. I wish there was something I could do mm-hmm. because you were one of the best." And he's even said that before about like some badass soldiers. He's like, "I never met you, but like, oh, that you the, were a hard ass." Yeah, he meets a soldier that we find out uh, Spark tried to get do to first. Yeah, and he didn't make it. And Chief kind of says, "You know, like, listen, like." You got this far, like you're a badass. Yeah. But Chief eventually they Chief and Katrina make their way to that long sword. They get off the ring, everything explodes, and that's the end of it. We hear uh they they go kind of through the halo, I think it's finished, but instead Chief says, like, no, the covenant are out there. He kind of says like something like the covenant are out there and Earth is still not safe, like we're just getting started. Yeah. And and one of the best things uh, about some of these final sequences is we learn the whereabouts and what happens to Yep Yep. So so yep. so Yep Yep, he you know he he tells Amami this. He's like, I'm gonna go do this thing. I jumped ahead. Sorry. About no, no, that. no, you're, no, you're fine. Like he tells Amami, I'm, I'm gonna, I need to go do this thing. I need to go do this thing. I'm gonna be over here. He just takes a ghost, like steals a ghost, and just mm-hmm. takes enough methane and takes enough food. Yeah. And just well, like him and him and Zamami talk and like. Zombie's like, I'm going to ambush him. Like, yeah. they're still, like, kind of talking. It's, like, this weird, like, it kind of, the roles are kind of then reversed again. And, like, he's answering to Zamami again. He's, like, Zamami's, like, listen, I'm going to do one final thing. I'm going to take him out. And and he's just, like, uh, Yap Yap's just, like, good luck. Like, I know you can do it. But it says, like, Yap Yap's, like, we're all going to die. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He <laughs> he knew. And so, like, his, his was probably, like, the most redemption story. Like, he takes a ghost and rides out. And the author says, like, and he was at peace. This is the first time Yep Yep has felt happy or like anything yeah. in like the last few days. Yeah. And what happens is uh, there's they set up a turret. Zombie sets up a turret to try to get Chief, and it just fails. Yeah. It's it's it, it's basically that point when you're leaving uh, the Pillar of Autumn, and that elevator comes down, uh-huh. and there's that black elite that's in there. Yeah. That's supposed to be Zombie. Yeah. And it just it, it's basically just like it just he gets taken out quickly, and it's just like. Again, it's like it. You do feel for this guy who's really, really trying, and every time he's just thwarted, and then mm-hmm. finally it's just you're done. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I mean that's where we we come to a close. I mean we we don't know some whereabouts and kind of on purpose of like Johnson and like other characters. Like we we know like the legendary ending that isn't canon. Yeah, Johnson hugging the lead. Yeah, so like we we know that, but like we don't know anything else from there. And I think it's just kind of thrust upon us in Halo Two that as life. <laughs> yeah, know, he's, he's still there. Yeah, we, we we learn a little bit more uh, when we cover First Strike here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But for you know, if you, if everyone's always confused if they don't read First Strike and then they just play Halo Two, yeah, because they play it off like eh, classified. Exactly. So that's why, to me, and I think to a lot of you out there, like these books are just some necessities if you want to get that really full story mm-hmm. and really appreciate what Bungie and soon to be three four three have done for these stories and and to get you know what you can't do in a telling of a video game exactly and just a absurd amount of detail that goes into little things and like getting more emotion out of this as well as from like the games like you know just a more ways to learn about the universe it is because the games themselves are storytelling but it's typically chief cortana storytelling 
with all of your side characters kind of getting in on their own relationship. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to know about, you know, the cryotech who died, like, grasping out for his wife's picture. Uh Or even, like, the Covenant point of view besides when we get over to, like, Arbiter and his elites and grunts that he has eventually. Like, like those type of things. Yeah. So let's talk about the reception of the book. Which is, you know, we kind of talked about that there's a lot of retelling... And there was a lot of good reception about this book, and I know a lot of people love this book. I, th- I think it is a great book. Mm-hmm. Again, the retellings are kind of like whatever, but that is part of the book. In fact, Nyland himself had a response to that because everyone was just like, it's just the game. And so so what what did he say about that? Yeah, so, so he says, of the book reviews that I've read, the negative ones often say something to the effect that the book is just like the game. So why read it? I mean, that's, that's kind of what we touched on a little bit to kind of be like, yeah. it's a retelling. But... Yeah. What those readers may not realize is that it was hired to novelize the game. That means taking the game and turning it into a book or, put another way, I did what I was hired to do. There must be some folks who feel that I wrote the chief out of character. That's news to me. All I can tell you is that the Bungie folks who care deeply about the character in the universe never raised that issue and approved the book as written. However, there's no doubt that every author is different and will approach characters differently. So if Nyland's rendition of the chief is different from my own in subtle ways, that would be understandable. I, I, I do agree. He, I, the chief was a little out of character, but I'm not going to say like it's too much of a complaint. I'd say there were things in there that I, that he said that I, w- I wouldn't personally think that chief would say. Like whenever he was talking – oh, again, when he's talking about that soldier, he says like, quote, you were one tough son of a bitch. Like – to me, I wouldn't imagine Chief saying that, but I'm not complaining about it. No, and I think that's where, like, his military training and stuff, kind of yeah. like, you're a hard ass, like, we're like, <laughs> you're a son of a bitch, like, type of shit like that, <laughs> where it's more, like, kind of, like, really hard military speak, Yeah, and we're not going to have the Chief do that because he's just kind of, like, he. but he, at this time still, he's still, like, a one-liner guy in the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so up until this point, it's... It's tough to say, and he doesn't curse. So, like, that's that's another thing that's yeah. kind of. I think we don't hear him curse until Halo Five, yeah. honestly. So, and that's when he says like hell she is, like nothing even bad. No, it's it's more of like an inflection word, I guess is the best way to describe yeah. it, like hell or crap yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I love from all of this is that to this day, still loves the game, and he still plays it. Like, I think that's so cool. It is. It's it's neat. Like you said, like. He really knew not much about it. He never mm-hmm. wrote for them. So he just picks up and plays it. And I think that's what a lot of people do. It's, yeah. a, it's a game that you do pick up from time to time. Like if you if you play it out and you wear it out like you do with anything, you kind of put it mm-hmm. down. But you can all, that's what I love about the games and these books. Yeah. Is you can always come back to it and get some joy out of it, read or see something you didn't see before yeah and just get that that like really cool nostalgic joy back Mm -hmm. yeah so something we now can kind of do since we couldn't do it so much for the fall of reach Mm -hmm. but we're doing it for this is what does this do for the lore itself i know that we really talk about what's present in the media but for books and comics and everything else like we really want to talk about what it established for the lore afterwards and so one of the first things i think that i like is that we learn more about the flood and how they infect like they go through the back of your neck usually and they they go into your your spinal cord and central nervous system and take over from there and you kind of just start rotting and you get reformed as you said yeah it like, it like basically rots them from the inside out and it's almost like if they're like changing your molecular structure but like disgustingly uh-huh and to to fit the way like um 
to fit the way with, we learn about like why certain things are chosen for combat forms, uh-huh. why like grunts and jackals then become carrier forms. Yeah, or... they they yeah, that's I, I like that they touched on that too. Like that's why we never see grunt or jackal combat forms. It's like yeah, like ah, they're too brittle. Like we'll just use them for carrier forms. Yeah, to make more of what we need. So like yeah, that was like the first thing to describe because that was always mm-hmm. something in the game. You're like, why are there just elites and humans? Yeah. Even though it's really like, we didn't have time to make this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, I think it's actually written in why. Yeah. Because you're right in, in it makes sense that the, the bigger, stronger forms would have that. Cause it'd be weird having mm-hmm. a, a fat infected grunt running around doing yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Cause they're, they're pretty worthless hand to hand already. Like how is being flood going to be any different? Mm hmm. And what else we learn is we first learn from the, or this is the first time we see the perspective from the Covenant, which mm-hmm. I think is cool. We kind of see how they operate, you know, learn about how if you're going to go in front of this council, you have to have like a DNA test. And we see a prophet for the first time and how an elite can talk for them. We see how the grunts themselves can operate with each other. And we we learn about Yap Yap, which is... I even want to say probably one of my favorite characters ever within the universe. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this is different from people know of Yap Yap the Destroyer. As of right now, that's a non-canon character yeah. that's playable in Halo Wars 2. We're talking about the Flood Yap Yap, which is he's just a cool character. And he just, again, to re- to reiterate, just his his kind of sad send out, like how he's just like happy and content. Yeah, he has he has just like this really sad redemption cycle of mm-hmm. like... Going from I don't want to die to being at peace, like I know I'm going to die, but I mm-hmm. want to die on my own terms uh-huh. and like be happy about it. Like mm-hmm. I know it's coming, there's it's inevitable, but I'm not going to sob and run around circles like other grunts. I'm yeah. going to take it into my own hands. Yeah, and and throughout the we learn about more of these kind of like grunts later on um, that have like these personalities and stick out. And I, I love those characters. So other things we do learn is that, as I had said earlier, that there were battles, multiple battles mm-hmm. going on. There was like a war going on on Installation 4. Like I thought that was so cool, like described multiple battles. Yeah, because it's, it's tough to realize how many actual crew members are on these like UNSC ships and even like Covenant ships. Like how many... Yeah. There actually are when you realize there's thousands and thousands and thousands. And obviously some of them die in the battle, some die in ships. Yeah. But there's enough to like launch a full scale force mm-hmm. and to like and what I like too is we see how we came about to have the tanks and warthogs and extra munitions. Uh-huh. It wasn't just like, oh, these random pelicans happened to have them with them. <laughs> yeah. It's like they went back and and regrouped and got what they could mm-hmm. off of this crashed ship. Yeah, and so it, I, a few other things we do learn is we learn about Keys, how he got captured, which is always just like, we always wondered about that in the game, and then we knew that there was another AI on board, mm-hmm. the Pillar of Autumn, which he does come up again in f- the uh, Fireteam Raven game. We need to play that, by the way. Yeah. That's out of Dave and Buster's. We should just get super drunk and play that. <laughs> that good that's like me. a 40-minute Uber drive home, though. That's Oof. like that's like easily 80 bucks. Who wants to fund our Uber We'll create a Patreon so you can fund our <laughs> drunken Ubers to go play Fireteam Raven. Oh, yeah. But no, it definitely, again, we learn, we also learn about how the flood, like we're tapping into keys, mm-hmm. and we learn that they're actually kind of kind of intelligent. Yeah, we get that first Gravemind feel uh-huh. for that when he's actually like tapping in to see mm-hmm. like when the next source of food is, who you are, what are humans, like mm-hmm. a whole categorization thing. Yeah, and we learn how they, 
just like what happens to a body. And we can even see in a rare circumstance with Jenkins just the horrors that you can go through. Mm -hmm. So overall, like we've talked about how this book was made. We talked about the book itself, kind of the story. And we kind of talked about what happened or we talked about what this did for the lore. So now we're going to come down to the final part of each episode that we ever do. What did we think about it? And yeah. I know we always share our opinions, but this is an overall quick review from both of us. Yeah. So so to start, uh, once again, I read this trilogy when I was a kid. Reading it again is amazing. I like the book. I think mm-hmm. that the telling of how all these little skirmishes happened, the military tactics that the UNSC used mm-hmm. is amazing. Is it a retelling Yes, in a way it is, but you you have to. I want to say it's like what thirty to forty percent of retelling, or maybe even fifty tops. I would, yeah, I would say probably half of it is chief point of view. Yeah, but they they it's not like the first half of the book is, and then the second half of the book is different. They put in all these yes. stories, so it's not. You're only ever going to have maybe a chapter or so that's a retelling. So if you do get if you do get sick of those, like just know something interesting is coming where you start learning more and seeing different points of views from different characters. It's very Game of Thronesy in that way, where they kind of bring you together in all these different groups, and you you mm-hmm. kind of fall in love with all these different characters and their personalities. And I mean, so to take ten weeks to write this. I mean, less than three months mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to create all these different characters and personalities and for almost no reason. Because like we said, like they, they kill these characters off. Yeah. They do recur in other media at some point, like whether it's a yeah. tidbit of something, like you mm-hmm. said. But for the most part, like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was great to come mm-hmm. back and read it again. And I'm really excited for the next one. Yeah. And... I always thought it was cool that, like, when I was researching about this, is that, like, he was checking in with Bungie with this, and he had their seal of approval, and I guess he lived close by to the studio, so he mm-hmm. would just, like, stop by and be like, hey, this is what I got. Like, what's up? What are you guys up to? Which I, I thought it was cool he had that relationship with them. It was a great book. There were little things I disliked about it, and by no means did these overrule the idea of me liking the book. Um you, I think a lot of people need to realize you can give a review and like something a lot, but mm-hmm. dislike little things. And of course. that's the kind of guy and I am. That's how I review things. So one, I didn't, there were little things about Chief's character I didn't like. I think he was a little too chatty. Again, that doesn't mean anything. Um, and then I think that sometimes just the overall Marines, we were to the point in the war that we were so demoralized, but the Marines sometimes were silly. Like, again, I know we had these silly moments with uh, Zukazamami and Yap Yap, but there were some just, like, the Marines were almost like, it was like a cartoon sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Or am I crazy? Are you talking about, like, when they, like, yell in battle or, like, stuff like that? They just seemed very happy a lot, you know? Maybe that's just how, when I was listening to this on audiobook, that's just how the guy presents it. I could be crazy. And I, I, guess, I guess, too, like, if you if you think about it, this whole retelling, like, they were actually on Halo for a while. Yeah, how long? It was, a uh, like, a... I, I don't remember I don't remember how long it was, because it's hard to describe, but I know it wasn't, like, two days. Yeah, like, well, because like, it's, like, Chief gets sleep. At one point, he, he's, like, shower, able to rest up, like, all these things. Like, they're able to sit there and plan. Yeah, and I think, I think it's kind of how you do in anything. Like, it's condensed for your brain to be, like, they did this, they did this, they did this, instead mm-hmm. of, like... Oh, about four and a half days later, this happened, and then five days. Yeah. So, 
I think you still because they were able to establish a base, go through this. So I get the idea on that, but I think I think he was trying to give the lightheartedness that you mm-hmm. kind of have in like every kind of war retelling. That yeah. there are down times where you can enjoy your time, even though yeah. you're in like a garbage place. Yeah, and again, by no means do what I like. Yeah. I think it's kind of like uh, if you ever see Act Man videos, it's usually he labels a video is this awesome, mediocre, or I think he likes or bad. Mm-hmm. And even when he labels a game awesome, he'll rip on some things oh, that course. he really dislikes. But overall, he'll be like, "But this game was awesome. I hated this, but this game was awesome." Mm-hmm. Same with thing. Like the uh, the reason we are doing this is because we love Halo. So there's not a lot of things that we will overall say we dislike like everything we've read so far and all the games we've played in the comics and everything they're great and so uh, this overall was a a great book mm-hmm. i mean it as i said like throughout the time it made us really feel for these characters and how all of them got sent off and these deaths and everything like it was amazing like oh yeah it was a great book and again you also have to think we talked about he had uh 10 weeks to write this it's not just writing he had to come up with these mm-hmm. ideas and like creatively connect these things so i thought that was amazing yeah, and like you said before, being able to go to Bungie and share these things off. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that bond you create, I think, gives you a better idea of the writing mm-hmm. and a better idea of what they want and just it uh-huh. makes you more comfortable with it. So I'm yeah. kind of glad they did that. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, this is the only book we would ever see him write. I think with that negative kind of reception, I think that Bungie kind of distanced themselves from yeah. having him write anything else. Unfortunately, I think... I think if they ever do bring him back, I don't know if they will at this point or three four three at this point. Mm-hmm. I think um, they really should because he did some crazy things with this story. Now, granted, more of the games are now a lot more in depth and everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have any other books that are really like a retelling like this. I could be wrong. I haven't read all the books by any means, but this was kind of a unique situation, and I think he did it really well. Agreed. And he went into it, and I think anyone would have went into it with kind of like a sinking ship. Like, you are doing a retelling. I mean, yeah, in a way, you have to. He even said, I was hired to do this. Come yeah. on. Like, this, this was it. Like, is my chief a little different than Island's chief? Yeah, probably a little yeah. bit. But I, I went in and did the best I could with 10 weeks to give you an interesting story. I, st- you know, I, I, I made it a story. And you have to give him credit. It was his idea mm-hmm. to do all. He didn't want to do just a retelling. Yeah. He's like, no, I, I let's let's put all these different characters in. Let's talk about how the Covenant were doing things like. And I think that's awesome. And yeah. I think that did inspire Halo 2 and everything we got after that to like, let's like, let's start hearing from the Covenant. I think we got it a lot earlier than than we would have. Mm-hmm. So overall, I'd say great book, yep. as we've said a million <laughs> yeah. times. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight A Halo podcast. I think the next episode we're going to be doing is we're going to be breaking away from any kind of Halo media right now, but still Halo topic is we're going to talk about the idea of the flood invading Earth right now in 2019. Yes. Could you survive a flood outbreak today? And before before you just go to yes or no, we're also going to be talking about if uh, the kind of the stereotypical zombie outbreak happened today. How would that happen, and how does it compare to a halo or to a to a flood outbreak? Exactly, like just expect the same amount of fun and research. Like I'm, I'm excited uh-huh. about this because I'm so excited to do. Because Jesse and I, I think what we're going to kind of do is we're going to kind of create our own plans mm-hmm. and compare them and take notes and see who would survive and who just failed miserably. Exactly. 
And with that, I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast.